Wyatt back on the Young Turks. In this half hour, I get to ask questions. We're gonna do two interviews of progressive candidates. In the next half hour, you get to ask questions. So we're gonna do Ask Me Anything, everybody can watch it. But only members can ask questions. So you can become a member for free for a week, try it out, tyt.com slash trial. That's next half hour, John and I will do it. Now, let me give you the guests we got here. So joining me now is Julia Peacock. She is a candidate for California's 42nd District, US Congress. Uh, Julia, you're in studio. Hey, hey, how you doing? live. No <laughs> skyping today. So yes, we're close. Uh, yes, you, so um, you ran in 2018. I did. Uh, first of all, who's the incumbent, and how bad a guy is he? <laughs> well, <laughs> how long do you have? Okay, Ken Calvert. He was elected in '92. Uh, the district has been shifted a number of different times until now we arrive at the 42nd, which it's been that way since I think 2008. Um, 26 years of earmarks to build his own personal wealth. Um, he's at this point uh, 98-99% supporting of Trump's administration, mm-hmm. um, which means he's against uh, health care, he's against LGBTQ plus rights, he's against public school, which really affects me because I'm a public school teacher. So he's mm-hmm. he's he's pretty bad dude, really. Yeah, I thought for sure you were gonna say that he's 98-99 years old. I was like, whoa, man. <laughs> <laughs> like I, I don't think age should be an issue, but right, oh, that's know, really getting dicey. He's up right? on the ages and peacock. Yeah, um, but but look in a district that's a little split. I, I could see why you'd want to be ninety nine percent for Trump. Uh, no, uh, I can't see that. Did he vote to take away the Affordable Care Act? Absolutely. Every single time it's come up for repeal, he's been right on that bandwagon. So only about fifty eight times then. Right. Uh, yeah. Okay, got you. <laughs> uh, and so look, I was in. Uh, so this is Riverside, right? Yeah. Um, so I was in Riverside uh, uh, during Christmas, and I and I did a whole post game about it and stuff. Uh, first of all, good news for you: um, lots of Young Turks viewers in Riverside. Uh, so yeah. <laughs> give him a shout out. Yeah. Thank you. In fact, my eight-year-old son asked me, uh, "Did we come to a town where everyone knows you?" Oh, that's awesome. Okay, that is fantastic. So, uh, so we gotta we gotta. Um, Reverse the 2018 results. I agree. Here. I yeah. agree. Although we did some some good mm-hmm. in 2018. So talk to me about 2018. What happened in that run? 2018 on a wing and a prayer, a completely volunteer based grassroots campaign, with about a tenth of my opponent's fundraising, we knocked on 30,000 doors. We wrote 80,000 handwritten postcards, sent about 200,000 emails, 150,000 text messages, and eroded his R plus nine. An R plus seven, so 43 and a half percentage points from a literally unknown candidate, um, public school teacher. Uh, we did it with talking to all voters about issues. And I think that's one of the challenges in a district like mine. We only have 29.7% of our registered voter total is actually Democrats. So we made a very concerted effort to talk to especially women, Republicans and independents, not about, hey, I'm a Democrat, even though I'm a proud progressive, but about the fact that we've got health care at stake. We've got immigration rights at stake. We have all of these issues that matter to us. And it isn't about Republican or Democrat or anything in between, it's about who is going to go to Washington DC and fight for you and the issues that matter to you and will absolutely make your daily lives better. So I wanna go back to 2018 in a second, yeah. but I wanna stay on the issues that you mentioned. Sure. So you're you're for single payer Medicare absolutely. for all. Absolutely. Now a lot of the uh, the Schumers and the Pelosi's of the world would say, hey, don't do that, you're in a red district. Right. Uh, that's 
too far left. Right. How do you respond to that? Well, first of all, we're not doing enough. Um, and I realize it's because this is the first time we've actually held the House or any part of Congress in quite some time. But we're not doing enough to ensure that the ACA is protected. And the ACA was an amazing accomplishment, but it just didn't go far enough. And 80,000 people in my district are actually supported by the Affordable Health Care, uh, Affordable Care Act and the California Exchange. Unfortunately, with Every conversation we've had, despite even John Roberts saying, no, the individual mandate is okay, we have this entire group of people who still believe that it's okay to make billions of dollars in profits on the sick and the dying. And I think that's really where we have to have a larger conversation, where we get profits and that whole capitalistic free market out of our healthcare. And it's not impossible because there are countries all over the world, even though if you're playing a drinking game now, Venezuela, um, besides Venezuela, <laughs> that actually has the kind of uh, healthcare system um, that is more of a socialized medicine, but actually ensures that from the time uh, from the time you're born, actually even in your mother's womb, that you are fully covered. And I've seen it with a friend of mine at works, um, even out of pocket, she was not covered in Canada. Her husband's Canadian. She ended up having one of their children in Canada. She paid $1,800 total out of pocket to have that baby. And at the minute the baby was born, that baby was fully covered 100%. If we can do it in countries like France and we can do it in countries like Canada without sacrificing national security, without sacrificing those things that are important to the general safety and welfare of the country, then it's not enough to say we're just going to fix the Affordable Care Act. So I think that if the media covered progressives fairly, <laughs> we would win nearly every election. Because of the issues. Because of the issues. And and I don't say that because I'm a progressive. I say that because I, I'm really good at reading numbers. <laughs> like if it's a seven and a zero, that's a 70, right? <laughs> and so 70% of Americans want Medicare for right. all. A majority of Republicans want it. A majority of Republicans want to raise taxes on the rich. Three quarters of Americans yeah. want to raise taxes on the rich. I can go on and on. Absolutely. They agree with us on all these issues despite all the propaganda done in the mainstream media against those right. ideas. Right. So I'm so if you're in a red district, Medicare right. for all isn't going to hurt you. It's no, going to help you. Absolutely. Right. And so I, I don't have time to listen to people say, well, this is the way we've always done it, and this is the way you should do it. If we keep doing that in California 42nd Congressional District, we're going to continue to lose. This guy has been in office, this is 26 years now. This is another election that he's won, and despite the, the great efforts that we made to get there. So we cannot continue to beat that same dead horse. And we've seen the problem, you know the problem. We are now, the Democratic Party has now been called, the, we're elitist. We yeah. have lost the blue collar worker. Yeah. So if what if the advice from the establishment were working, I, would have, I could take that advice and I could run with it and roll with it. But as I, as I mentioned before we went live, I talk to women, specifically women, we vote more. That's just the hard cold facts. Mm -hmm. We made a concerted effort to speak to Republican and independent women at the door. And apart from the times where their husbands answered and wouldn't let them talk to us, she's not home, she's not interested. Every wow. single time we got that voter at the door and talked, we didn't tell them, I'm Julia Peacock and here's what I'm gonna do for you. We literally, every single person that talked to somebody said, what issues matter to you? Mm -hmm. And I think that caught, I know it caught people off guard.
And then we'd have to do a little, okay, if there's a toddler hanging onto your leg, maybe I need to talk about preschool and I need to talk about healthcare and I need to talk about public school. And now I need to talk about how you're gonna be able to afford to put this kid or however many kids you have into college with the outrageous amount of, of student loan debt we have. But, but Julie, issues. yeah, those, those things where you're trying to help the average yes. citizen, seems radical. <laughs> But, oh, crazy yeah. Julia, yeah, yeah trust so, me. But, but the mainstream media literally says that, so right. it's, it's maddening. So I'm curious in your case, because you're, right. it, it's not uh, the heart of LA, it's no. not a big uh, you know, city in that sense. Mm -mm. Uh, and, and it's kind of, a, you could argue it's a sleepy backwater, it's, it's not really, but it's all the districts are about the same size. Absolutely, and I right? understand what you're saying. Yeah, so, I, so the, LA, the New York Times and the Washington Post aren't writing about it 24-7, CNN no. isn't covering it. So I'm curious though, local media, uh, uh, do you think they gave you a fair shake in 2018 or no? No, we have one paper um, that covers, they're the same ones who own the Orange County Register, that's the Press Enterprise, is the only newspaper we have in the area besides mm -hmm. some local community papers. Um, and the editors, hook, line, and sinker, have been supporting Ken Calvert ever since he came into office. And they never talked to me, they never discussed anything with me. They literally just full bore said, Ken Calvert's our guy, and here's why. And it makes no sense as to why, because there isn't anything that he has done in our community that has actually helped our community. Most of what he's done, whether it's freeway enhancements or any other infrastructure projects, have all been directly linked to his own personal real estate properties. Even with the expansion of the 91 and the extra expressway that comes up from the 15 and that thing we get stuck on every day and sometimes pay $20 to be in a fast track to get stuck. He earned about a million and a half in personal um, gains in in his properties within a one mile radius of all of that. So, you know, it's there is no media. We don't have a television station. We don't have. We have some local radio stations, and I did do some media buys there. But every time a controversy came up, every time I was accused of being unhinged or extreme, <laughs> then I got a call from the one reporter they have, and and I do not. Um, I, I do not underestimate at all the damage that has been done to print media. Um, we can't, and, and despite how incredibly important what we're doing here, what you do, and, and reaching people digitally, print media is not surviving. And so what you see happen is you had this great giant group of 100 different reporters that were covering all the beats in the area. There is now one. There are about 10 reporters that work for this paper. And so a candidate like me, that's <laughs> extreme, I guess, in the sense of these ideas that aren't fitting in the Democratic establishment and certainly don't fit with what's going on with the GOP right now. There's not going to be any yeah. coverage. No, being uh, on the same side as three quarters of the American people does sound a bit extreme. I know. Uh, but <laughs> but it goes to show you, like, no, the media has this group think, and yeah. they've and and in also in in towns there's a certain power structure. Definitely, it's not an accident that the the local newspaper, etc., says, oh, the congressman who hasn't done anything for you guys, definitely reelect him, right. definitely do that, yeah. right? Because the editor and the publisher have certain vested interests that are not Definitely. necessarily the same as their readers. So I, I am curious though, I wonder if the Casa Cortez victory challenged the group think a little bit. I wonder if they cover you differently this time around because 
Like they, it was last time, it was conventional wisdom through and through. Right. And I saw it in a million races. Sure. Oh, you're a public school teacher, Julia. You got no chance, right? <laughs> right. Like, I, or what right do you have to run? What right. qualifies you as a public school teacher? Right. Somehow with uh, almost no money. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Almost with almost no money, right. you won the primary anyway. Right. And I've seen and I saw progressives do that over and over again, and still it wouldn't get through the thick heads of the media. They're like. No, it must have been a fluke. Right. No, you're still illegitimate. Yeah. Right? Because you're not a corrupt politician, you're illegitimate. Right. So I wonder if AOC's win gets them to maybe change that way of thinking at all. I don't know, have you seen any of that yet? No, or no? and I'm not gonna hold my breath about it. For example, when I ended up I have a I do have a Democratic challenger and they, when they said, you know, someone else has jumped into the race against Calvert, they mentioned my name, but they don't show my picture. Mm-hmm. So they show the new guy, and and then it's 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 really kind of the same thing. I don't have a really strong relationship with the one reporter that we do have because I got tired of him calling me and asking for comments only when there was something else that had come up negative. Well, Julia, did you say this? Julia, did you say that? You know you've been accused of doing this. It's like, yeah. would you like to talk to me about my actual the issues? Would you like to talk to me about how we're gonna attack this district in a in a way that maybe you haven't seen in a while? No, not really. Yeah. Just, just push those buttons. For the audience here, look, I tell progressive candidates, I told them in 2018 and I'm still telling them in 2020, you're, the luckiest you can get is negative attention from the press. <laughs> They're it. never gonna give you positive attention. All, Absolutely. Never, never, ever, ever, right? Mm-hmm. So you actually should call that reporter and be like, oh yeah, you wanna know something else I, I believe in? Yeah. Right? Okay. <laughs> just, just throw myself at him. <laughs> yeah. Hey Jeff, right, Jeff, right. I got some juice for you. And I believe in Medicare for all. Yeah, that's right. I think amnesty is actually protected by our, our, our laws. Oh wow, okay, yeah, just go yeah. full bore. Yeah. Oh, uh, the dreamers. Should, my, my team's taking. Yeah, uh, the dreamers should have <laughs> pathway to citizenship. Eighty-four <laughs> percent of Americans agree with me. Go nuts, Jeff! How dare you? Right? How, dare, or, how dare we? How dare yeah. we? So um, anyway, Julia, yes. you're kind of awesome. Uh, so, oh, shucks. <laughs> yeah, I love your attitude. I love it. I love it. I'm glad. So look, uh, for you guys, it's going to be hard to remember uh, website though. Peacockforcongress.com. <laughs> really hard. Okay, so uh, and obviously you can volunteer because you see how much she uses and relies on volunteers. Yeah, so you got to be there for her. Okay, uh, I assume no corporate pack money. No corporate pack money. Yeah, of course, no. so you got to donate, guys. Yep, that's how we do this. Uh, so all the links will be down below if you're watching this later on YouTube or Facebook. Julia Peacock, thank Shank, you. Thank Breath of fresh you. Air. Hey, fresh. Yeah, not okay. not unhinged. No. <laughs> I think being with the overwhelming majority of the American people does not make you unhinged. It, it makes you an American. Excellent. You heard it from Cenk. <laughs> That's it. You heard it from Cenk. All right. We got another progressive candidate coming up next. We'll be right back. All right. Uh, back on the Young Turks. Got another great candidate for you guys. So let's do it. Joining me now is Chevron Jones. He is running for Florida Senate District 35. Uh, uh, so to be the senator from there, and he's uh, got a unique story, uh, but he's also currently in the House of Representatives. So Chevron, uh, how are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? Uh, I'm great. So you're, you're term limited out of the House now, right? Yes. So okay, and uh, is your district a Republican or Democrat? So my district is a high percentage Democrat, uh, over eighty-five percent. 
Yeah, I would say that's a high percentage. Okay, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I've done the math on that. We crunch the numbers back here at Rebel headquarters. That's a high percentage. Okay, um, so yes. but you're not running against the Democratic incumbent, right? The Democratic incumbent is also term limited out. It, Chevron, is the Democratic incumbent also term limited? Yes, the current uh, uh, the current yes, he is. Yeah, so uh, so largely Democratic primary will will decide who is the new state senator from the thirty fifth district. It looks like that's correct. Okay, that's gotcha. correct. All right, and so uh, so let's talk about why you're running for the Senate, and and we'll talk about how your uh, candidacy. Uh, might be historic, so that's interesting. But but first, what makes you want to run for the Senate? Well, uh, first of all, I, I appreciate this conversation. Uh, looking at the work that we have done uh, the past eight years uh, in the Florida House, um, making sure that women who are incarcerated have access to feminine hygiene products, uh, or passing legislation to ensure uh, that, uh, the, that we stop the spread of HIV and hepatitis C by passing the uh, Infectious Disease Elimination Act, which is also known as needle exchange, is putting forth legislation like that that is geared directly towards people uh, is what the work, some of the work that we want to continue. Uh, not, um, not to exclude the fact that in my freshman year, uh, we passed police body cameras to go statewide um, because the district in which I represent is predominantly African-American district. Uh, and I make a promise to myself and to my constituents when I first ran that when I run that I want to make sure I, uh, while sitting at the table, that I have an opportunity to give you all what I know it is that you want. And that's what we've been able to do. And that's what we want to be able to continue. And that is putting legislation that benefits people, not industry. So Chevron, you got those uh, bills passed even though the House in Florida is uh, significantly Republican, is that correct? That's correct. Um, it's, it's important to point out that in a Republican-ran legislature, uh, it, is, it is extremely clear that we must uh, uh, put forth the story of our districts uh, for individuals of why they support uh, those particular issues. Uh, and and, and I've, I made it my business to make sure that I do that. As I walk the halls, I might have to do more work than my Republican colleagues have to do, but I've never been afraid of work. Um, walking the halls to get um, all members to, to join the bandwagon and why I'm supporting a particular piece of legislation uh, is important. Uh, and so, you mean, if that's what we have to continue to do, uh, I will continue to do that to make sure that people feel represented. And we will continue to do that even in the Senate. So, Sherman, if, if you win, uh, you would be the first openly gay senator in Florida history. Is that correct? Yes. Yes. Now, yes. in Florida, you have to clarify openly gay uh, <laughs> senator but uh, <laughs> so, uh, but that is quite amazing that there that there hasn't been any in the state of Florida in its entire history I'm kind of blown away by that well you know what I, I'll say this that it's 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 interesting to to understand that Florida we we're very weird in a lot in a lot of areas uh, but I, I do know that that our state is changing daily, uh, especially when and our country is changing. Let me just not say the state is changing. The country is changing. Uh, as the country changes, uh, I believe people are more interested in electing individuals who are going to be concerned about their needs. Uh, I got asked a question last week, how does it feel to be the first openly black gay legislator? Uh, and I said to them, yeah, I'm I, it didn't change since I was three years old. It's been, it, I've been just fine since then. I, I'll be honest with you that my, my biggest 
my biggest uh, support, my biggest thing has been ensuring that uh, I represent people, regardless of what my lifestyle is. It has nothing to uh, to do with ensuring that people's everyday life uh, is being represented in Tallahassee. And I think that's the most important thing. Although you did have this one sentence where you said, I, I went into the House of Representatives married and I came out gay. <laughs> um, so. so. <laughs> what happened, Shepard? <laughs> <laughs> so, so listen. I think I think it's important to know that my dad is a very well-known pastor here in South Florida. He's a pastor of a very large congregation, and yeah, I've been I was big on following the rules of of our household, and it got to a point to where. I no longer wanted to, to to lie to my wife. I no longer wanted to lie to my family, uh, and I believe that you know my uh, being honest with myself and others could help somebody else, and it actually did. And it's been it's been great to to share the story. Although my story is uh, is is um, uh, is interesting uh, because there are some things that happened um, prior to my, me coming out, but. Uh, I think it's important to know that you know all of that has made me to who I am today, and I share all the details with individuals so they can know um, that it, it, it's okay. Share your story because you might just help someone else. Yeah. So now let's talk about other policies that you've been in the news for. Uh, so you, you got into quite a back and forth on the issue of guns, and obviously in Florida that's an enormous issue, as it is across the country. But there you had, of course, the Parkland shooting. Uh, and then you guys had a debate after that, uh, but you also, had, you know, Trayvon Martin. It's Florida. You've had a billion shootings, all controversial, <laughs> right? Um, but uh, right. now uh, the Republicans wanted to put uh, guns into the schools, and they did. Uh, mm -hmm. So why were you opposed to that? Well, all for all the reasons that you just said prior to leading into the question, um, Florida has a history. Um, we have a history of uh, stand your ground. We have a history of being a gun state. Uh, we have a history of totally deflecting away from the issues when it comes um, uh, to even having a conversation about guns. I'll be honest with you, um, that moment on the floor was uh, was not one that I was expecting, but it was uh, one that I was glad that happened. And it also goes to 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 sh tell. Everyone, why it's important to have diversity within our legislature. I mean, Florida, we we have not been um, honest with ourselves when it comes to how black and brown uh, individuals are are treated at the hands of police uh, and the problems that we have. And when it comes to stand your ground, uh, that's why we ask for if you're going to arm teachers, don't just take teachers through diversity training. Uh, make sure that teachers go through implicit bias training. It was a simple ask. It was an ask that my colleagues. Even on the other side of the aisle, nine of them agreed with with me on it, um, uh, and they got reprimanded for it. But you know, it, it was important for us to bring it up. When I go back home, that plus eighty percent of African American and uh, Hispanic uh, constituency that I represent, uh, they want to know that you know my child, when he or she go into the classroom, that I fought for them. You know, in particular with issues such as putting guns in the hands of teachers, which teachers didn't sign up for that. Teachers signed up to one to teach children uh, and to, to take a Florida uh, who is at the bottom of the totem pole and how we pay teachers and our education system. We should be putting forth policies that's going to improve our education system and policies that's going to ensure our teachers stay within the classroom, not promoting guns. All we're doing is putting forth an agenda that's being asked by someone else. So studies have shown that uh that unfortunately, uh, most people in this country find African Americans uh, to be more dangerous in 
situations where they might uh, encounter them in, in a uh, some sort of police uh, situation. Now I say I hesitate in saying that because here we now we're arming people inside the school, so it shouldn't be a normal policing situation. Right. Uh, but but now that that's what the role that the teachers have foisted upon them in in the state of Florida, and and so. All the studies show that in those simulations, African Americans get shot more often, etc. And and I think it's on average, African American kids are seen as four years older than they actually are. Mm-hmm. By so those are the things that that inform you and that you, that made you stick up for your constituents. But then they, what did they say? They said that you were racist against teachers. Yeah, so they they said I was racist against racist against racist against teachers. Yeah, but I, I think. Along with talking about the comment that was made, I think it's also important for us to make it very clear that a a black girl is three times more likely to be suspended um, from school uh, than their white counterpart for the same behavior. Yeah, there are, and, and by mind you, Florida does not have a consistent behavior structure in how we deal with these type of things. Uh, and so when we want to, when we put forth policies that we know for a fact that will affect uh, our communities, yeah, you can call me whatever you want to call me. But when I come back home, the constituency base, their their expectation is that we're putting those agendas out on the table. And so yeah, I was, I was, it was referred that I was referring to teachers as being racist, which wasn't the case. But what I was referring to is that every last one of us in that chambers and. All of us have some type of bias, implicit bias, and that's all we were asking for to ensure that you, if you see a child who walk in your classroom who have dreads in his head, that he is no threat. Uh, he, he he's a student. He's your student who's coming to learn, and teachers have to understand that uh, to ensure that you, if you're going to carry a gun, I need to know to make sure I check my bias at the door. All right, and uh, and of course your amendment was voted down uh, by the Republicans, right? It was voted down by the Republicans, uh, and so much so that even my Republican friends who did vote for uh, the implicit bias training with me, uh, they got reprimanded uh, for doing that. Uh, and that just goes—it just goes to show you uh, what type of agenda my Republican colleagues are trying to put forth. They—they uh, they really are not serious about school safety. Uh, what, what they want to do is push forward what the NRA is asking for them to do, and what Bessie DeVos and what Trump is asking uh, them uh, them to do. Uh, there, there has been no studies to show uh, that the policy that was signed into law has actually worked. All right, uh, the website is chevronjones.com. We'll have all the links down below if you want to donate or volunteer. Uh, uh, Representative Jones now running for the Florida Senate. Thank you for joining us on the Young Turks. We appreciate it. Thank you for having me. All right, uh, we're gonna take a quick break here. When we come back, your questions. We're gonna do Ask Me Anything, me and John Adarola. You could ask us anything. Uh, you gotta be a member to ask, but everybody can watch, so come right back. <laughs> 